Chapter Seven of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Two, by Eliza Haywood. Chapter Seven is the better for being short. Miss Flora retired to her chamber, indeed, not to employ herself in the manner she pretended but to give a loose to passions more inordinate and outrageous than it would naturally be believed could have taken possession of so young a heart but it is now high time to let the reader see into the secret springs which set her wicked wit in motion and induced her to act in the manner she had done through the whole course of the preceding pages many hints have been given that the inclinations of this young lady were far from being unblameable and it will not seem strange that a person of the disposition she has all along testified should envy and malign those charms she every day saw so much extolled and preferred above her own but we do not ordinarily find one who all gay and free like her and who various times and for various objects had experienced those emotions which we call love should all at once be inspired with a passion no less serious than it was violent for a person who never made the least addresses to her on that account yet so in effect it was mr trueworth had been but a very few times in her company before she began to entertain desires for her fair friend whenever she had an opportunity of speaking to him alone she made him many advances which he either did not or would not interpret in the sense she meant them this coldness instead of abating but the more inflamed her wishes and looking on the passion he had for Miss Betsy as the only impediment to the gratification of her inclinations, she cursed his constancy and the beauties which excited it. So true is that observation of Mr. Dryden. Love various minds does variously inspire. He stirs in gentle nature's gentle fires, like that of incense on the altar laid, but raging flames tempestuous souls invade, a fire which every windy passion blows, with pride it mounts, and with revenge it glows. Miss Flora was not of a temper either to bear the pangs of hopeless love in silent grief, or to give way too readily to despair. In spite of the indifference she found herself treated with by Mr. Trueworth, she was not without hope that if she could by any means occasion a disunion between him and Miss Betsy, he would then be brought to cast his eyes on her, and return her flame with some degree of ardency it was for this end she had taken so much pains in endeavouring to persuade miss betsy either to write or suffer her to go to mr staple in order as she pretended to undeceive that gentleman in his opinion that she was in love with mr trueworth but her intentions in reality were to make him believe that he himself was the favoured person and had much the advantage over his rival in the affections of his mistress this she doubted not would make him quit his resolution of going into the country and encourage him to renew his courtship with the same fervency as ever the pride she knew miss betsy took in a multiplicity of lovers and the equality with which she had carried herself between him and mr trueworth and which probably she would continue seemed to afford her a fair prospect of giving mr trueworth so much cause of discontent as to make him break off with a woman who after what had passed made distinction between him and the person he had twice vanquished in the field she knew it would at least create a good deal of perplexity among them 
and delay, if not totally prevent, the completion of what she so much dreaded. But this scheme being rendered abortive by the seasonable discovery Miss Betsy had made of her persidiousness, she set her wits to work for some other new invention, and believing that Miss Betsy's pride would immediately take fire on the least suspicion of any insult being offered, either to her beauty or reputation, procured an agent to write the above inserted letter, the effect of which had been already shown. This disappointment was the more grievous to her, as she had so little expected it. She broke the sticks of her fan, tore everything that came in her way, flew about the room like a princess in a tragedy, wanting the means of venting the rage she was possessed of in great things. She exercised it in small. A fine petticoat of Miss Betsy's happening to hang on the back of a chair, she threw a standish of ink upon it, as if by accident, and it is no breach of charity to believe, would have served the owner in a much worse manner, if her power had been equal to her will, and she could have done it without danger to herself. To add to the fury and the distraction of her mind, continuing still in her chamber, and happening to be pretty near the window, she saw Miss Betsy, Miss Mabel, and Mr. Trueworth pass by in a landau, that gentleman having, it seems, invited these ladies on a party of pleasure. "'You shall not enjoy this satisfaction,' cried she to herself, "'if it be inhuman wit to separate you. But at this sight the turbulent passions of her soul becoming more outrageous. Oh, may the machine that conveys you be thrown from off its wheels,' pursued she. "'May the wine you drink be poisoned. May the first morsel you attempt to swallow mistake its way and choke you in the passage.' Thus did she rave not like one possessed with seven but seven thousand fiends and had perhaps remained in this wild way till her brain had been absolutely turned if lady mellicine having a great deal of company had not positively commanded her to come down after having sent several times in more mild terms to let her know her friends were there it was some days before the unhappy and more wicked miss flora could recollect her scattered senses enough for the contrivance of any further mischief but those evil spirits to which she had yielded but too many the mastery of her heart and all its faculties at length inspired her with and enabled her in the execution of a design of the most barbarous kind and which for a time she saw successful even to her most sanguine expectations but while she was ruminating on projects which had neither virtue nor generosity for their patrons miss betsy passed her days in that cheerfulness which is the constant companion of uncorrupted innocence and a mind uninfluenced by any tempestuous passions but as it is natural even to the sweetest tempers to take pleasure in the mortification of those who have endeavoured to injure us without cause given on our parts she could not forbear being highly diverted to see the pains miss flora took to conceal the inward disturbance of her soul the awkward excuses she made for the damage done her petticoat gave her more satisfaction than she could have felt vexation for the spoiling of the best things she had in the world. Miss Mabel, to whom Miss Betsy had imparted the whole of this affair, was not at all surprised at that part of the letter which related to herself, as she had often been informed by several of her acquaintances of the character given of her by that malicious girl. But neither of these young ladies could be able to imagine as they suspected not her passion for Mr. Trueworth, from what source this pretended enmity to him was derived. It would certainly have greatly contributed to the happiness of that gentleman, to have known in what manner his mistress had resented the injustice had been done him. 
but Miss Betsy forbore to let him into the secret, as being already sufficiently convinced of the sincerity of his affection, and would not put him to the trouble of giving her new proofs of it by showing him the ridiculous accusation anonymously formed against him. End of chapter 7